Thank you, Lauren, for leading us in worship. Kids, you may be dismissed, and everyone else, you may be seated. <clears throat> well, this week we are continuing in our series of the life of David. If you remember, uh, a few months back, we started uh, an overarching series that we called Story, and we've been looking at, in chronological order, different heroes of the faith and digging a little bit deeper into their lives to see what life lessons we can learn and how we can apply what we read in their stories. And this morning is no different as we look at the, the life of David in a very interesting clip. I, I don't think that often enough we talk about friendship from the pulpit or look at scripture and look at what friendship is to be like from a biblical standpoint. And so we're looking at true friendship as we look at the life of David and his friendship with Jonathan. And whenever I think of Jonathan and this story, I always think of the Lord of the Rings. Now you might not think the way that I do, but recently I exposed MJ to the Lord of the Rings. We watched the extended edition over a period of months where we would watch a DVD at a time because you know that the extended edition is like four hours long each movie. And it, it, we need to watch the extended edition. If you watch the non-extended edition, you're not a true Lord of the Rings fan. But here's the deal about the Lord of the Rings. This friendship that Sam and Frodo have is incredible. Frodo has to go on a dangerous mission. And if I'm ruining anything for you, I mean, the book's been out since the 40s, so you should have read it by now, right? But the reality is this, this friendship is so powerful as you look at Sam, who has never left the Shire. He's, he's a gardener. He does not do this type of crazy adventure. But the, the Baggins, Bilbo Baggins and Frodo Baggins, they're all about adventure. And Frodo is stuck with this impossible task, and he has to take this ring into Mount Doom and destroy it. Well, Sam decides to go with Frodo to help Frodo on his mission. Even when Frodo tried to shed him off and didn't want him to be part of the danger, Sam still went. Sam protected Frodo. Sam picked up Frodo literally sometimes to get him to where he needed to go. Sam's friendship was in an intense reality of close friendship. And his story, I always, like I said, think of Jonathan and David because Jonathan and David had a friendship much like Sam and Frodo. We need more Sams in our lives. We need more Jonathans in our lives. And we're going to look at this story of Jonathan and David and see how we can have true friendship. But too often we don't realize our need for true godly friendship. We don't talk about it often in Bible studies. We don't talk about it often in the pulpit like I had said before. But it is a vital piece of Christian fellowship is looking for true godly friendship. So the question that we will be answering this morning as we look at this portion of David's life is how do we find or be a true godly friend? How do we find a godly friend? What do they look like? And how can we be a godly friend? So we're going to look at 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 5, and then 1 Samuel 20, verses 1 through 4. So if you have your Bible, you can open up. It'll also be on the screen. Those of you who are online, it will be on the screen for you. 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 5. 
As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. 1 Samuel 20, verses 1 through 4. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said to him, Far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do. Whatever you say, I will do. In these passages, we see four characteristics of true godly friendship. And the first characteristic that we can see of true godly friendship is love. True and godly friends love deeply and live faithfully. True and godly friends love deeply and live faithfully. After David had defeated Goliath, after David had proved himself a godly servant of Israel, Saul blessed him. Saul spoke to him, encouraged him, and put him over the men of war, and he was successful. And after Saul was done talking to David, after he had defeated Goliath, Jonathan found a friend. Jonathan deeply loved David. And this passage says that their souls were knit together. Some theologians would try and say that this is an inappropriate relationship, but that's not the case at all. This was a, a, a two men who were deeply, deeply passionate about the Lord and about Israel, and they found kinship together. They became such close friends. They shared everything together. They loved each other deeply. It was a friendship like no other. It was one of those friendships that was once in a lifetime. We might say it was like a blood brother pact where they said we will be together forever as good friends. Jonathan loved David deeply. And he was faithful to David. David loved Jonathan deeply. And he was faithful to Jonathan you see, Jonathan was a prince. And as a prince, it's hard to find a good friend. Because everyone is out to get something from you. But here he saw David, a man of God, a man after God's own heart, and said, I can relate to this guy. He won't do what others would do. He is a man that I can trust and love and be faithful to. And the same is what David found in Jonathan. 
C.S. Lewis, if you've ever read his book called Four Loves or Surprised by Joy, he talks about friendship and love in a really, really powerful way. And we'll talk about some of these aspects of what C.S. Lewis said because it attaches to this story. C.S. Lewis said, Nothing I suspect is more astonishing in any person's life than the discovery that there do exist people very, very like themselves. Jonathan and David were very very alike. They had similar interests. They were powerful men. They were strong men. They were men of war who could take on anybody and win. That's rare to find someone that is so close to who you are. Godly friendship, true and godly friendship, there is a kinship that we have. First and foremost, it's our love of Jesus. It's our understanding of who Jesus is. And we desperately, as people, need godly friends. It is an important aspect of fellowship, like I had said before. You need a friend who will love you and who will be faithful to you as a friend. True and godly friendship is also both honest and safe. True and godly friendship is both honest and safe. You'll see in this story of of Jonathan and David that they were honest with one another. They were very honest. They did not hide anything from one another. And each of them was a space of safety for the other. David could hear all of Jonathan's woes, all of Jonathan's frustrations. And Jonathan could hear David's woes and frustrations as well. And they would lift one another up. You know... The important thing is, as we look at friendships like this, to find someone who is honest and safe in our lives, we first have to be someone who is honest and safe. If you want to find a friend that is godly and true, you must first be a true and godly friend yourself. When people share with you their deepest, darkest thoughts and pains and frustrations and woes, what do you do with it? You see, David had an opportunity to totally undercut Jonathan. Jonathan had the opportunity to totally undercut David. If you look at their story together, which we won't dig as deeply into all of the aspects of their friendship, but you'll notice that they were both honest and safe with and for one another. Sadly, finding someone who is honest and safe as a friend is difficult even in the church. I have experienced personally as a pastor's kid and as a pastor and as a longtime Christian who's gone to church my entire life that the church is actually a harder place to find an honest and safe friend. That's a difficult thing to say, but I have found it in my experience to be true. Because often when we share with one another the deepest, darkest pains of our lives, we suddenly find our names on a prayer list. We suddenly find other people asking us, well, why are you doing this? What's happening? What's going on? Oh, and there's judgment and there's all this stuff that transpires. But we need to be honest and safe for one another. We need to be a place where we are honest and safe. C.S. Lewis said, we can choose not to love and have a heart of stone. It will never get hurt, but it will never be joyful either. Or we can choose to love and experience both the joy of love and the pain of heartbreak. One is death, the other is life. I choose 
life. He recognizes that friendship can sometimes be a little bit dangerous. Being vulnerable is not an easy thing to be. Many of us, we probably have hidden our deepest, darkest sins from everyone, and we pretend as if we're okay. But when we have true friends who we can be honest and safe with, it is both vulnerable and intimate, but it is also vital. Because if we're not honest, if we're not stepping in the light with one another, as 1 John challenges us to, we're not really going to wrestle with the sins and the darkness within us. We might say, oh, I can handle it. I'll pull myself up by my own bootstraps. God and I, we can handle this issue together. But you'll find over and over again, you keep falling into it. But if you have a friend, someone who will walk alongside you, encourage you, lift you up, love you, be faithful to you, you will find that you will be able to live the Christian life a whole lot better than if you were alone. It's an important aspect. And this is part of our vision of being a refuge. We are a, a church that aspires to proclaim the gospel and to be a refuge. In order for people to experience the refuge of Christ as we are a people who are to be that, we have to live honest and safe. The second characteristic that we see is sacrifice. True and godly friends are generous and sacrificial. True and godly friends are generous and sacrificial. Love is not just this thing that we talk about. Love is not an emotional uh, thing that flit, flits in and out. <clears throat> there is emotion to love, but love is also, as the great 90s Christian band DC Talk, some of you may know DC Talk, love is a verb. There's action to love. It's not just words. You see, as we said, that a true and godly friendship is, is loving and faithful. Love, agape, is faithful, but it also has action. There's movement within it. There is something that we do for one another. We act on that love. And here we see Jonathan loving in a sacrificial and generous way. It says that their hearts were knit together, and as soon as that happened, Jonathan loved David as he loved his own soul. And immediately his response is a recognition of who David actually is. In their deep and intimate friendship, Jonathan all of a sudden sees David for the king that God called him to be. And so Jonathan takes off his robe. He takes off his armor. He takes off his belt and he takes out his sword and he gives it all to David. This is something that we might not catch, but in the Hebrew aspect of an Israelite's life, when he would take off his robe, he is giving him a mantle of family. And in this aspect of giving the robe and the sword, he is saying, I am abdicating the throne to you. What? You see, Jonathan understood because he loved David and David loved him, he understood who David really was. Jonathan knew that it was not his throne, but it was David's. One commentator says the fact that Jonathan gave David the garb and arrangements originally reserved for the heir to Saul's throne 
clearly possesses symbolic and thematic significance. When you have a true and godly friend, they will sacrifice for you. When you are a true and godly friend, you will sacrifice for them. It might be something as simple as, hey, my car broke down and I need help, and they drive an hour to help you out. I had a friend just recently do that for me. My van engine blew up, literally. And someone came, a good friend, Matt Hannigan, came and helped me out. That was sacrifice. He was at the middle of work. And that's what sacrifice and friendship looks like. It is dropping everything, getting a phone call. Someone needs prayer. Someone needs a meal. Someone needs help. Someone needs assistance. And we drop what we're doing and we go and we sacrifice our time and spend time with that person in their need. Are you a friend like that? Am I a friend like that? Do you have friends like that? Jonathan was a friend. See, Sam, Samwise Gamgee gave up the shire. Jonathan gave up his throne. True and godly friends are generous and sacrificial. If you look at great stories of history, you see that this often is the case in, in some really good narratives. That the best friends of the main protagonist, the main person that's the story character, you'll see that they have friends who lift them up. <clears throat> friends who sacrifice, just like Samwise Gamgee. Often you see this in those stories, that there are friends that lift up the main protagonist. And we love those stories because we recognize friendship. We see the generosity and the sacrifice that's there. Do you love friends this deeply? In this, we can also note that true and godly friends see and then call out the best in one another. True and godly friends see and call and then call out the best in one another. Not only did he just do that as a symbol, but he saw who David was and lifted him up. This is important as we look at godly friendship. You were to look at the New Testament. You see friendships like this. Mainly the best image of this is Paul and Barnabas. Paul, as you know, was Saul and murdered Christians. Everyone was afraid of him, even though his story of transformation was real. Even though he had totally changed his heart towards the believers. No one believed him except Barnabas. Barnabas came alongside him and gave him this, this one phrase, I see in you who you really are. Jonathan did this to David as well. Do you have friends in your life that are calling the best out of you? Are, do you have friends in your life that are sacrificing like Jesus did for you, laying down his life as he says in John 15, 13? Do you see people who are saying, I see this potential in your life and you're not living up to it yet? God has so much more for you. Are you a friend that does that as well? These are important aspects of true and godly friendship. True and godly friendship. We've got to be people who speak the love of Jesus into our friends and call the best of Jesus out of our friends. The third characteristic that we see is honesty. 
True and godly friends call each other out. They call each other out. Now, as you look at this passage in 1 Samuel 20, verses 1 through 4, you might not catch this aspect of the narrative. But as David is coming to his best friend, he says, Hey, Jonathan, your dad wants to kill me. Now, imagine you going to your best friend and saying those very words. Jonathan looks at David and is like, far from it. That's not true at all. He's looking at David and saying, I think you're lying, buddy. I think you're making this, 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 you know, this huge mountain out of a molehill. This is not true. My dad would never do that. My dad would tell me if something was happening. And he challenges David. But David pushes back. He's like, listen, dude, I know it's true. <laughs> it, it's not just like he might kill me. It is, I'm this close to death. And they have an argument about this. You might not catch that when it's transferred into the English, but in the Hebrew, this is a heated argument. You'll see in verse, let's see, what is it? In uh, verse 2, it says, And he said to him, far from it. And there's an exclamation point. He's screaming at David. This is not true. But in this moment, they work it out. They figure it out because... True friendship deals with that. They call each other out, and they challenge one another. Barnabas did this with Paul as well. If you're to look at the story of Paul and Barnabas, you see that there was a guy named John Mark, who then is Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark. And he was traveling with Paul and Barnabas. And he gets a little bit scared, and he runs away, and then he wants to come back and help out. And Paul's like, dude, you're a little chicken. We can't have chickens on this. We need strong men. We need dudes who are going to go out and say, kill me for the name of Jesus. You're a little whiny baby. It's not happening. You're not coming back with me. And Barnabas and Paul have a heated argument. Intense fellowship. Where Barnabas is like, Paul, you're being ridiculous. And Paul's like, Barnabas, you're being a baby just like him. And they separate friendships. They walk away. Now, I believe that they were still godly friendships together. And they eventually came back together because we see at the end of Timothy's letters, we see Paul say, saying, bring me John Mark, for he is good for me. There was a restoration that happened. But they called each other out. There was intense fellowship. There is a time and a place where we need to lovingly call one another out. And this makes it so that we are closer to the Lord. Because when we call one another out, it's calling one another out on sin, on fallacy, or false thinking. It's calling one another out, like we had said, about pushing others up and saying, listen, you're not living up to your potential. God has got so much more for you, and you're wasting it. You're not living into the calling that God has for you. Now, this feud that happened between Jonathan and David would have destroyed lesser friendships, but it only made them stronger. Because David said to his friend Jonathan, okay, you don't believe me, but let's test it out. Let's see if your dad really does want to kill me. Let's come up with a plan on how this will work out. And Jonathan said, I'll do whatever you ask. Even though he didn't believe David, he still was willing to say, okay, let's test it out. He was there, but then their friendship did not break. In Proverbs 27, 6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 
When we have honest and safe friendships, when we are walking alongside one another, calling one another out, challenging one another in a loving way, those wounds are faithful. It's not always going to feel good when someone says, hey, you're wrong. It's not going to feel good when someone says, I know that you're in the midst of sin and you need to stop. It's not always fun when someone says, hey, you need to go to that person and offer forgiveness. You were a little bit of a jerk. We don't like that. In, in our American society, we have so much that's throwaway, where if it's broken, we throw it away and buy a new one. And we need to do the same thing with friends. If a friend calls us out, and if it's not a strong, true, godly friendship, and someone challenges us and says, hey, I think you're in the wrong, we're like, yeah, I'm done with you. I mean, this sounds petty. sounds like high school all over again, right? But we do do that. We do that with churches. We do that with friends. We do that with people. We do it with coworkers. If there's any pushback at all or challenge, we step out. But the Bible is very clear. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If they are a true friend and they lovingly call you out, those are wounds that are faithful, which means that they were not at you to punish you or hurt your feelings, but it was for your restoration. A true, honest, godly friend who is safe and is challenging you is someone who wants to see the best in you, not the worst. Are you a friend like that? Or are you a little bit scared to call friends out, worried that it will end? I'll tell you this. If you call someone out that you love and you do it in love, with a spirit of truth, and they walk away from you, they were not a true friend. If you do the same, you were not a true friend. We've got to get back to a biblical understanding of true, godly friendship. Do you have friends like that? Are you a friend like that? The fourth characteristic that we see is protection. True and godly friends make sure to have each other's backs. See, Jonathan didn't believe David, but he was willing to go through this testing process. He was willing to see where Saul's heart really was. And he quickly discovered that David was right. Saul was so mad that David didn't show up to this meal for three nights in a row. And Jonathan was like, hey, it's fine. Saul threw a spear at his own son. He was like, don't talk about how good David is. I'm going to kill you. Jonathan's like, oh, I think David was right. He's so mad he's trying to kill me. So they came up with that plan, and David ran away. He saved his life. It would have been certain death. He was a step away from death. David knew it. And Jonathan didn't, but then he discovered it. And he stepped up to his father, and he challenged his father, and he almost died protecting David. He stood up and protected his friend. Are you a friend who is going to protect others? When you hear negative things about a friend, are you going to stand up to the people who are gossiping about them? Are you going to say, hey, that just stop? 
Are you going to have their back and protect them when you know that something is coming or someone is coming against them? When someone is going through a horrible, horrible time, are you going to sit with them and pray for them and protect them? That's true godly friendship. But often we don't sacrifice our time or sacrifice even our prayers or sacrifice even standing up to someone else and saying, that's not my friend. You don't know them the way that I do. Stop. It's up to us to be friends like that. Asking the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to be friends like that. Alan Redpath, he wrote an amazing book about the life of David. And when he comes to this point, he says this, Would you ask the Holy Spirit to make you a friend like that and to cultivate within your life friendships like this? He says, will you ask the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to be a friend that loves, that protects, that's generous and sacrificial? Because the Holy Spirit desires for us to be filled with His power, to be a friend like that, to have friends like that. This is the essence of fellowship. The word in the book of Acts and other places in the New Testament in Greek is koinonia, true, honest, real, life-on-life friendships. Have you experienced koinonia in your life? If not, pray for it. Ask for friendships like this. Let me share with you one last quote from C.S. Lewis. And I think it's important as we understand the aspect of love and friendship, the importance of it in our lives, and if we don't have it, the danger that it brings. He says this, To love it all is to be vulnerable. He continues, Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not become broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable stone. You see, to love is to be vulnerable. To love is to have a sense of a lack of safety if someone really knows the truth about me. If someone really knows the issues and doubts I have in my life, in my marriage, in my job, in my secret life, man, that's dangerous. But as we look at Scripture, in the life of Paul and Barnabas, in the life of David and Jonathan, we see the vital nature of these godly, true friendships. And when we call one another out, we're calling one another closer to the Lord. We need people who are going to push us and urge us closer to the presence of God. You need a friend like Jonathan. I need a friend like Jonathan. You need to be a friend like Jonathan. I need to be a friend like Jonathan. Let us be one.
and let us find one. For that is true godly fellowship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that scripture touches on every aspect of our life, even friendship. I pray that we won't neglect this truth. That we'll be people who are true, godly friends, who love, who sacrifice, who encourage, who lift one another up, who protect one another. Friendships like that change our lives. I pray that we will find and be friends like that. In your name, amen.